Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners are advised that this interview contains references to an individual who has died. Today on Tune FM, we're sitting down to discuss the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. Negotiated in 2017 and entered into force in 2021, the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons is the first multilateral agreement to ban nuclear weapons, establish a framework for their elimination, and assist victims of their use and testing. I'm joined today by Director of the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons Australia, Ms. Jem Rommeld. In 2021, Jem was awarded a Peace Woman Award by the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom Australia and has been campaigning across multiple disciplines for over a decade. So thanks for joining us today, Jem. Thanks very much for having me, Ash. Great to be on. Lovely. To get started, can you just tell us a bit about how you became involved in the international campaign against to abolish nuclear weapons? Yeah, sure. I've been involved with ICANN for about a decade and Before that, I was a student and I was involved in campaigns to uh, support traditional owners trying to resist a nuclear waste dump on their land at Muckety in the Northern Territory, just north of Tennant Creek. And they were successful in that campaign, um, which was great. And I was involved in um, campaigns against uranium mining as well, just as as a volunteer activist Um, And I actually was not that aware of the problem uh, posed by nuclear weapons. It was not really in my world. It felt like a faraway problem that had been dealt with. Um, But, yeah, I I soon learnt that it's uh, it's really still a a major problem that we're facing worldwide. And and now, of course, it's one that's only escalating. Um, So that got me interested in looking at what we could do about this, you know, this very large and seemingly intractable issue of of getting rid of nuclear weapons and so I got involved in in the ICANN campaign and and that's that's a decade ago so yeah it's been um, quite a journey a lot has changed in that time um, and it's it's still a really dynamic interesting time Um, so yeah that's I, I guess I'm hooked yeah. And it's it's so important. I feel like a lot of people, especially young people, probably have a very similar perspective. It seems very far away, something they don't have to worry about. And then you start to learn more about it and you realize, well, no, actually, this is something that affects everyone. Mm, yeah, it does. And I, especially with um, the escalation of the climate crisis, it's we really see uh, nuclear weapons and the climate crisis as our two existential threats, and both of them we can do something about. And with nuclear weapons, you know, that's it's it's a threat that could end our world in an afternoon, essentially, with the with the numbers of nuclear weapons that still exist and the level of um, destruction they cause. It's um, it, it just seems like with all of the various security concerns that we're already facing with. Um, the risk of water wars and climate conflicts, um, this is something that we can really do away with. And, and we should. It's a very unequal, um, unequal playing field. There's only nine countries that possess nuclear weapons and they've been steadfastly refusing to get rid of them for many years now. Um, but, you know, it's important to remember that these weapons haven't been around forever um, it's been since 1945 and they were created by humans and what it takes really is the political will, um, but we are we are able to actually dismantle 
dismantle them. And we have dismantled thousands of them. At the peak of the Cold War, there were 70,000 nuclear weapons down to about 13,000 today. Um, you know, that the weapons today are more destructive than the 1945 weapons. So it's, we certainly can't be complacent. Um, but we have managed to dismantle many nuclear weapons and some countries have actually given up their nuclear weapons, including South Africa. Um, so it can be done. And it seems like a lot of countries around the world do agree that this is a serious threat. You know, we've seen, I think it's 69 states have signed onto this new treaty, including Sri Lanka most recently. Yeah, that's right. It's the the world's majority actually um got together and negotiated this treaty. So at the UN, this treaty was negotiated and, and approved by 122 countries. So that's the a really strong majority of, of the world's nations who do not have nuclear weapons, do not see nuclear weapons as essential for their security at all, but know that these are actually a security threat that hangs over all of us um, and that everyone has a role to play in, in getting rid of them and, and putting more pressure on the bad actors, those nine nuclear weapon states, to um, to conform with the growing global consensus that nuclear weapons are unacceptable and now illegal under international law. So, yeah, there are actually now 93 signatories to the treaty and 69 of those signatories are also states' parties, so they're fully compliant with the treaty and those numbers are, are always growing. So we expect, um, we expect that to only increase over time and hopefully we'll see Australia coming on board um, within the not too distant future. Yeah, because right now that's what you're campaigning for. At least one of the things you're campaigning for is for Australia to sign this new treaty, right? Yeah, that's right. Australia has joined all of the other treaties that prohibit inhumane weapons and all the other nuclear weapons treaties that we can join. So we've joined the Non-Proliferation Treaty, the South Pacific Nuclear Free Zone, the treaties that prohibit chemical weapons, biological weapons, landmines and cluster munitions. And it's really an anomaly that Australia hasn't yet got on board the nuclear ban treaty. Uh, But that's something that will change, that is possible to change. It's possible for Australia to maintain a military alliance with the US and even the AUKUS alliance. Uh, It would just mean um, excluding any involvement with nuclear weapons. Now, Australia has made a different decision to the US on other treaties and the relationship has continued. So Australia joined the landmine ban treaty. The US did not and still has not. Um, but Australia has to make its own decision as a sovereign nation on matters of importance, and that includes the elimination of nuclear weapons. So what is the difference between this treaty, the Treaty of the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, and the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty? Yeah, sure. So the Non-Proliferation Treaty, uh, which I'll call the NPT, that's from, uh, from 1970, so it was... Um, entered into force in 1970. It's a really important treaty. It has definitely helped slow the spread of nuclear weapons to new countries. Uh, When it first began, there were five countries with nuclear weapons. There are nine now, uh, but there, there could be many more without that treaty. So it's been really important for slowing the spread of nuclear weapons. And, and that's really the focus of it is, is non-proliferation. Uh, It does also have an article in there about disarmament that does um, oblige all states' parties to pursue measures for disarmament, including the nuclear-armed states, 
Um, but unfortunately, they've interpreted that as not being um, strong enough to compel them to actually disarm. Um, and they're all investing massive sums in their arsenals. So um, the the NPT really is inadequate for actually properly stigmatizing and getting rid of nuclear weapons. And it does have a bit of a two-tier system where different countries are treated a bit differently depending on whether they have nuclear weapons or not. So there's this situation of the haves and the have-nots. Whereas the ban treaty, it complements the NPT. So they work together and it recognizes the NPT and strengthens it, especially strengthening its safeguards. Um, But it goes further and it goes further by clearly... uh, clearly prohibiting, so putting a, a, a ban on nuclear weapons and prohibiting everything to do with them. So possession, stockpiling, production, transfer, hosting, um, use, threat of use, and it also outlaws assisting, um, inducing or encouraging any of those acts. So it's really comprehensive and it also contains a framework to enable um, nuclear armed states to enter into agreements to dismantle their stockpiles. So it's it's much more broad ranging and much stronger than the NPT, but it does it builds upon it. And it's important to note that the NPT always anticipated that it would need further instruments to achieve its goals. And some countries say, oh, the ban treaty and the NPT conflict with each other. That's not true at all. They complement each other. And for Australia, um, you know, the Australian government is very keen on the NPT and that's fine. Uh, They can focus on that treaty if they wish, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't also join the Nuclear Weapon Ban Treaty because really our position on nuclear disarmament is, is shallow and our government's words on pursuing nuclear disarmament are hollow until we join up to this treaty, the ban treaty. So it's almost as if, you know, that that NPT is a foot in the door. We need that door to be open before we can walk through it so that we can have a full elimination of nuclear weapons. Yeah, the NPT has set the scene for sure. And it's there are also other nuclear agreements. So there are regional nuclear weapon free zones like the Rarotonga Treaty, which Australia is a part of, and they prohibit, you know, the possession and production of, of nuclear weapons in this area, this large area um, in the Pacific that we're a part of. So that's also an important precursor um, to having this, you know, this further instrument that has been developed. And, Ash, it's, it's important to note as well that a lot of people in a lot of countries said that, oh, you'll never be able to get a prohibition treaty. Um, the nuclear armed states will shut it down. Well, it, it has happened and there was enough political will from the majority of the world's governments to actually get it through the UN and negotiate this really watertight, really strong agreement. And, and what matters now is how we put it to work. So that's why, you know, our global campaign is working on um, increasing adherence and the number of signature, signatories and states' parties to this treaty because it's, it's really up to us globally Um, to strengthen it and to make sure that it becomes something that really does bring the nuclear armed states into line. It will take time. This is a a big problem to to unravel. Um, But other other prohibition treaties have shown that if you really want to make progress on reducing and getting rid of a weapon, an 
inhumane weapon, then it's really essential to have a clear prohibition treaty in place, at, at, you know, as early as possible. Yeah, and I think it's incredible work that we have achieved what we have so far. Yeah, it is. Uh, against all odds and against the against the power of some of the most militarised and wealthy countries in the world. So it's excellent what we've done so far, and that's why ICANN was awarded the 2017 Nobel Peace Prize because we played quite a role in supporting governments to move forward and negotiate this treaty, and ICANN was the main civil society partner for this whole process. So, um, you know, we we do have good standing around the world. It's, it's a big network. There are um, active ICANN partners in around 100 countries, including around 70 or 80 organisations in Australia. Um, so, you know, we've got a thriving campaign and it's, it's really great to see this. It looks different to the 80s. I know a lot of people marched against nuclear weapons in the 80s. The movements today look different. Um, but but we are effective and it's a big problem. Um, but what we do as a community of people really does change the shape of what happens. Mm. And I'm curious, does this does ICANN's campaign also expand to uh, nuclear energy? I know that's another hot topic right now. You know, we've seen some of the effects of nuclear factories when things go wrong, you know, with the the water that's being returned to the ocean after the, the factory in Japan. Mm. And uh, do you guys, are you focusing on that as well? Or is nuclear weapons really your big, big topic? Yeah, nuclear weapons and disarmament is our focus. So we don't actively campaign on nuclear power issues, although many of us involved in ICANN do um, campaign on, on those issues separately. Um, we do point out that most of the world's nuclear weapons programs began with a civilian nuclear power program. So the links between nuclear power and nuclear weapons are um, very obvious. And there is a debate that's raging in Australia right now about, about nuclear power. Um, you know, we're not working on that as I can, but, you know, personally I, I, I think it's a real waste of time and political energy um, and nuclear power is, is not the right thing for Australia. The, the current government is very clear on that, so it, it feels like an ideological push from um, the coalition at the moment, which um, does really defy the experience of, of things going wrong with nuclear. And when things go wrong, they go catastrophically wrong. Yes. So it's just yeah. not worth the risk. Because, you know, we've recently, you mentioned AUKUS, you know, we've become a part of that, and those are... I believe, a nuclear-powered submarine. So while they're not nuclear-armed, mm. it's still that, that first step, as you were saying. You know, it starts with, with that one thing. Yeah, and with the AUKUS nuclear submarine acquisition, we actually have been quite outspoken against that because what the government's proposing is the acquisition of, of submarines that are fueled with highly enriched uranium, and that's weapons-grade material. And Australia, actually, and many other countries have been supposedly working to end the production um, of this kind of material. So what the, the, the current government's doing is really flying in the face of those efforts and undermining those efforts and also undermining the non-proliferation treaty because this agreement or this uh, contract to get these nuclear weapons does utilise 
a bit of a loophole in the non-proliferation treaty that has never been used before. So it's unprecedented for a a non-nuclear armed country to acquire nuclear-powered submarines. And this involves the transfer of um, highly enriched uranium and the technology to use it. And by creating this agreement under the NPT, Australia is clearly making it easier and creating a pathway for other countries to follow suit. And the more countries that have this material, then the more insecure that material is. So, um, And we're also concerned about how these submarines could be used and that if not for this government but for future governments, it could be the thin end of the wedge towards acquiring nuclear weapons. So what we're calling for is, especially now, if the government is committed to going down this pathway, we want to see a legally binding guarantee that this government will not have anything to do with nuclear weapons and will bind future governments to that as well. And of course, the best way to do that is to sign and ratify the Nuclear Weapon Ban Treaty. We need more than words. We have seen the Foreign Minister, Defence Minister, Prime Minister get up and say, AUKUS is not about nuclear weapons. We want to see that written down in a legally binding agreement and the ban treaty is the vehicle to do that. So in addition to this treaty, what other actions need to be taken to truly and you know once and for all eliminate nuclear weapons worldwide? Yeah, well, we need to see more pressure on the nuclear armed states to Um, to disarm and to create bilateral agreements among themselves to pursue disarmament. Most nuclear agreements are really flailing. Uh, The US and Russia have by far the most nuclear weapons. Um, They, between them, have about 92 or 93% of the world's stockpile. Um, So, And they haven't yet negotiated a follow-on to the New START Treaty. So that needs to happen. Um, And a really important part of increasing pressure on the nuclear armed states is for all of the nuclear endorsing states, so countries like Australia that claim some some protection from nuclear weapons to stop doing that. And you can do that through joining the ban treaty, but you don't have to do it that way. You could just say, you know, we no longer want want to um, envision the use of nuclear weapons on our behalf in any way. Um, So that's essential. And these are, you know, these are the hardest things to do. Um, But that, you know, as a campaign, we're not um, so interested in half measures. Um, We want to see concrete action on nuclear disarmament. And these are the pathways that we've identified that, that will get us there. And we're about building the political will to do that. Yeah, fantastic. And it's, it's obviously not going to be something that happens overnight. This is something that takes a very long time, but you guys have been working on this since 2006 and there have been people before you since the 80s and the 70s. So it's there's a lot of push behind this movement. It's just about reaching that, that, that climax, I, says, I suppose. Yeah, it is. And there's there are a lot of other benefits along the way. So an important side effect of the treaty has been um, and this is also also because of a lot of campaign work has been the many millions of dollars um, excluded from nuclear weapons companies by the financial sector. So even in Australia, we've seen uh, super funds divesting from companies that produce nuclear weapons because of 
this treaty, even though Australia has not yet signed up to the treaty. And we've seen US banks do the same, um, European pension funds, huge amounts of money have moved out of nuclear weapons producers because of this treaty. And that's all part of stigmatising these weapons and anyone who has anything to do with them. Um, So there are many different pathways that this campaign will take. Um, But you're right, it will take time. And, you know, our focus in Australia is is getting at least our government on the right side of history. That's something that is feasible. Uh, The Labor Party has committed in their uh, policy platform since 2018, reaffirmed in 2021 and just again earlier this year, that they will sign and ratify this treaty. The Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, he was the one that introduced this policy in 2018, so he's been a really strong supporter. And there are 111 parliamentarians in the federal parliament currently that have pledged their support and that they'll work for Australia to join this treaty. So um, we have an opportunity in this term of government to see this treaty signed. That can be done fairly swiftly and then uh, ratification would take a couple of years uh, after that. It's usually a two-stage process, but Australia could could now indicate its seriousness to get on board with this treaty by signing on. Yeah. So what's coming up next for ICANN in Australia? Yeah, uh, thanks. There's It, it will be a, a busy few months uh, leading towards the end of the year. Uh, I'd like to share with your listeners that um, a reminder that the 70th anniversary of the first mainland nuclear test in Australia is coming up on the 15th of October, just the day after the... Um, the voice referendum. Um, I'm sure your listeners are aware of the devastating chapter of history of, of in history of nuclear testing in both Western Australia and South Australia um, over the 1950s and 60s, conducted by the British government with the support of the Australian government. And uh, the impacts that that those tests have had are, you know, widely researched and written about, and also still still lived in the in the communities in the bodies in the environment um in the the people that worked on the tests so the nuclear veterans and as as well as the communities living nearby um especially first nations communities who were largely disregarded whose land was taken away for these tests um and 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 now you know cannot go back and, and use these lands as they usually would so um, the impacts are still being felt and we want to remind everyone of that on this 70th anniversary that's coming up. Um, and we are coordinating together with a Yankanjara woman who's a second-generation nuclear test survivor, Karina Lester. Her father, Yami Lester, the late Yami Lester, was blinded by uh, the um, Emu Field nuclear test on the 15th of October in 1953 and he was a lifelong um, advocate against nuclear weapons, and Karina is is as well. Um, so we've put together a statement which civil society groups are are signing on to, and we'll be releasing that on the 15th of October. Um, there are around 80, a broad and diverse range of civil society groups in Australia that are supporting that to commemorate that date and to call on the Australian government to join the treaty. So there's that anniversary. We'll also have a a webinar event around then as well. Uh, And then in October, uh, the Australian government will be voting on a couple of resolutions uh, at the UN First Committee. 
and we're calling on the Australian government to vote yes on the resolutions on the treaty and also on the humanitarian impacts of nuclear weapons. Uh, so that will be an important moment for Australia to show that it's it's moving in the right direction. And then later this year is the biggest event for the Nuclear Weapon Ban Treaty, and that's the Meeting of States Parties. It's the second Meeting of States Parties. It will be at the UN in New York City from the 27th of November till the 1st of December. So we'll have a team um, We'll have a team there on the ground and uh, it's it's been confirmed already that the Australian government will go, unfortunately not yet as a signatory, but as an observer, which is really good because they'll be engaging, listening um, and interacting with the treaty and its signatories and states parties. So um, hopefully they'll have make a good representation and, and, and say, you know, useful, important things as they move towards hopefully getting moving with with signing on to the treaty. So those are the main events. Um, if anyone's interested in finding out more, please get in touch with us. You can sign up to our email list at the ICANN Australia website, which is icanw.org.au. Fantastic. So I was just about to ask, you know, how can people get involved with this and educate themselves about this topic? Yeah, I think our website is a great place to start or just get in touch. You know, we have a number of initiatives that anyone can get involved with. So off, so there's a we have a thing called um, the Nuclear Weapon Ban Advocates, and this is people who sign up and say, I want to be a little bit more active than just reading emails. So I want to actually raise this with my MP or with my state or my federal MP or potentially with my local council. Um, now, I believe the Armadale Council has not yet supported this treaty. Um, around 43 councils have so far, so it involves them passing a motion to say they support this treaty and call on Australia to join it. So there are initiatives like that. Um, and then there are often, you know, these big moments in time where we'll have events um, like during the second meeting of states parties at the end of this year. Uh, so I'd suggest, yeah, getting involved either, you know, through the ICANN website or also there, there are many more peace groups popping up around the place these days. So there might be a local one. Um, there are also some great anti-AUKUS groups popping up. I know there's a, a you know, a Sydney anti-AUKUS coalition. There are in most capital cities. Um, so I just encourage people to get involved because this is really consequential for all of our futures and the threat posed by nuclear weapons undermines everything else we're working for. So we really do need a broad civil society movement to, to get real progress on this issue. Exactly. And for UNE listeners, you know, you can go chat to anyone from the peace studies units here at UNE. We do have a peace studies unit and, you know, I've spoken to Marty Brannigan and Joanna Garnett before, and they're both very strongly involved in the campaign against nuclear weapons. So for people here, that's somewhere you can go for education as well. Great. So thank you so much for coming on today, Jem, and talking to us and sharing, you know, a bit of your history and why this is so important. I hope that this has been enlightening for listeners so that they can realize that this is a really massively important topic that affects, you know, everyone in the world. Yeah, thanks for having me on Tune FM, Ash. It's been great to talk. And um, great to get in your listeners' ears. So keep up the great work.